Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. The Colorado Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup. Raymond Barr, a dream, has come true. Featured ahead, McKinnon racing and shoots and scores! Nathan McKinnon! President Jim Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay, as always. And we've got a first for this season. We have an instant reaction to the avalanches game against the columbus blue jackets right now it is very late for me on the east coast as this game started at nine o'clock eastern time but we are here the avalanche lose five to four in overtime to the columbus blue jackets in a game that really caught me off guard as extraordinarily bizarre for a lot of the wrong reasons and I'm glad we're doing this one now because I got a lot of things to talk about from this game. Coming into today, I wasn't sure if we were going to have much to talk about from a a Wednesday game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, the kind of game that we just haven't had in such a long time. And right from the moment you walked into the arena, this game was just started bizarre with the line out the door for a weekday game against the Blue Jackets. You know, tell us about that. Yeah, um, it's kind of been a problem all year because I've luckily enough been to every single home game and it's it's been rough to get in the building. Like lines are super long to get in and it just takes forever. Like I I got there tonight probably at like 645, 15 minutes before game time. And it took me 35 minutes to get inside. So I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's just super slower or what. Yeah, it's rough. And the line to turn into the arena, into the parking lot off of I-25 is just atrocious. So I should have known going into the game that it being bad luck like this with trying to get in the building, it's only going to get worse when the game starts. And luckily enough, I didn't miss much because much the first period was pretty unforgettable. Yeah, first period, I honestly, there was just the power play in the first period that I thought was 
fine. They didn't score. I thought it looked better. And we should start before we really get into this game by talking about uh, the disaster class of injuries again that led into this game and really worse than I think it has ever been to this point. Kale McCarr out of this game day to day. Miko Rantanen still missing and out of this game day to day. Andre Burakovsky hurt against Minnesota day to day. Devon Tays still out of the lineup. Val Nachushkin doesn't seem like he's really coming back soon. Pavel Francouz seems closer, but still not particularly close. And this time it matters because Jojo was in the net for this one, not Darcy Kemper. So that injury does still count here. And We'll get to this one later, but now you can add Martin Kaut to that list as well as he goes down in the third period, does not return to the game. And just, I, I brought this up when Devontae's was announced out. I've said it a million times and it's gotten to be less and less of a joke each time. This team is cursed. I don't know how else to put it. This team needs a shaman cleansing. They need to be, they need to bring someone into the locker room and just burn sage all over the building because there's no other rational explanation for this to keep happening. It's the first game of November, and this is the second time we have been digging this deep into our depth already. There's other teams facing it, but it always just seems like the abs get the worst of it. Like, I know Vegas is really getting crushed by right now, which now they're down William Carlson, Mark Stone, and Max Pacioretty. Among others, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Vegas is down bad like us, but it's just like weird things. Like, Miko Rantanen gets hurt in this uh, morning skate. Like, what? what? He gets hurt in a morning skate. Andre Burakovsky looks like he's fine the whole game. He gets hurt. Frankie injures himself in the preseason. Like, Devontae's injured who knows when. He's been out for – a month and a half now almost like it's I I didn't believe it when you said it that we were cursed but now that we've been doing this podcast now for almost a month uh and this amount of injuries is happening I'm starting to buy into what you're selling there man like I think we need to go full Kyrie Irving and just burn some sage when we're walking into the arena and do something something because this team is just like it's ridiculous at this point yeah, I mean, I just feel like it couldn't hurt, right? It, could, it couldn't hurt anyone any more than anyone else already is on the team. Like, just go through the locker room and burn some sage because you're, you, you brought up Vegas. And, yeah, they are beating the hell right now. They're losing. They're basically running out their AHL squad. I'd argue maybe they have it worse than we do right now. But we consistently are dealing with this. You know, every team runs through injuries for a little portion of their season. Our season, I feel like, hasn't even started yet because we've just dealt with so much with COVID protocol and all these strange injuries. And this is something that was a, a, a thing last year with the Avs fan base. It's gotten to the point, and I'm not saying this is true, quite the opposite, that the, like the, the training staff gets brought up and how good are they? They have nothing to do with this. It's just all freak injuries and from a, from a contact sport. But the point of that is I've never seen any other team question their, their training staff just because of the amount of injuries that take place. It's quite frankly absurd. Well, it's gotten to that point now where you, you have to find a reason. And as we're, as fans, we're delusional, we're crazy. 
and we look for anything we can point the blame at, not the fact that these guys get like hit into the boards and it's a contact sport. It's, it's the trainer's fault. And that just sounds like a good reason yeah, and a smart it reason. It sounds smart. It sounds smart. And you're like, I know something more. And I think even those people who say it's the train staff fault, they deep down know it's not the training staff's fault, but they just want to blame something instead of just bad luck. Cause like, quite frankly, injury luck is a thing. And usually the healthiest team in the playoffs will win the Stanley cup. Like there's a reason why it's good luck and it's bad luck. And the abs just always seem to have bad luck when it comes to injuries. I'm trying to think like we haven't had, we've had three games where Rantanen, Landeskog and McKinnon have played. Yeah. Three or two at most. Yeah. Yeah. We're again, we're not that far into this season. It's not like we're in, we're in January at this point. It, It is the first game of November and we've barely had the top line together and the McCar the McCar thing I should bring, I guess I shouldn't be that surprised because it was clear, apparently clear early on that he was suffering through the, the, the arm injury and yeah. it was hurting him during the season. And with the schedule as light as it is, as we'll talk about later, we have three games over 11 days or something like that, three or four games it's the lightest it's going to be all year. So if there ever is going to be a time to deal with injuries and get healthy, it is now. So maybe I don't, I'm not too upset at the, the McCarr thing, but it just, it just gets to a point that it's just completely ridiculous. And we, we were texting earlier today that like Eric Johnson almost got hurt in morning skate. And thankfully he was okay and played in this one, but I, I was, I was driving when you sent me that and I, I was going to swerve into the next lane. Like I, I couldn't do that anymore with all the injuries we've had. Just one more would have been too much. Evan, Evan uh, from DMVR scared the shit out of me when I saw that tweet. Cause I was going from meetings to meetings today at work. And I saw that tweet and I was like, Jesus fuck man. Like there's no way Eric Johnson got fucking hurt in practice. Like th- there's, I don't know who we would have, we would have played instead of him because Barron's hurt. Oh, you're forgetting like two of our prospects, Justin Barron's hurt for the Eagles. And so Shane Bowers. So even our AHL depth being questioned because players like that are getting hurt. So I'm, I'm going to spin this positively. Hopefully we're getting all of our injuries out of the way early in the season. So that when it comes to the playoffs, we're fully healthy and ready to go. You know, and I hope to God you're right, but curses don't just end when you want them to. And <laughs> Who knows, maybe we'll get healthy and we have to deal with a few bumps and bruises here on out for the rest of the season, but I'm not getting my hopes up until this team is healthy and they stay that way for at least a couple games because this is ridiculous. And Well, the good news, though, man, is that other than Francois and Big Val, none of these other ones seem serious. They seem just like bumps and bruises. It's just really inconvenient that all of them are happening at the same time. Like if you take like a, like they've proven it. Like if you take just like a Miko out of a game for a game or two, but you keep Berkey in the lineup, you keep um, like Kale McCarr in the lineup, you can survive those. It's just right now we have every single player out right now. And it's tough. It's tough, but I, I, I just, I'm hoping that it's just bumps and bruises and it's nothing serious. Yeah. I, that's really all we can hope for. 
at this point because it's it's out of anybody's control. It's just been a bunch of, of freak accidents. It feels like it's been nothing but freak accidents for several years at this point, but hopefully it can come to an end soon. But regardless, injuries are injuries. These are the circumstances we have in front of us for this game against Columbus. And to be quite frank, I, I don't think I can use injuries as an excuse for this one because we talked a little bit about the first period already pretty uneventful. And we come into the second period. We look pretty good. Even the first period, I'd, I'd say we looked pretty good. So yeah, I did. I missed the first like seven minutes of the game, but from what I was reading online, everything sounded like it was going pretty smooth. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was anything to write home about, but I thought, I just thought it was decent. We got a couple power play chances. The power play didn't score, but I thought the process was there. I thought it, this is where I will use the injury excuse. If we were healthy and had a rant in it and had a Macar, I think we eventually would have scored on some of those power plays because the setups and the process just looked good. Yeah. I'm trusting you on that. Cause I missed both of them. So. <laughs> yeah. And we get past the first period, no score. And you get early into that second period, the guy who deserved a goal more than anybody on this team finally gets his first. And that's Logan O'Connor with a beautiful snipe and just no one on this team works harder than Logan O'Connor. And he just absolutely deserved that goal. I love Logan O'Connor and I love him more and more every game. Um, I, I think I said a couple episodes ago, he's going to be the next Jersey I buy. Like the dude is just always working. He's always willing to put his nose into the dirty work. Like he's just awesome. And I love him. And I, it was great to see him rewarded. And it was a, it's a damn good shot too. Like it wasn't, it was no like tap and goal. It was a good shot that beat Corpusalo. Um, but yeah, Logan O'Connor just continues to impress me every single game. Like I think he's ran that like every time I think he's run out of ways to impress me and every single game he does something where I go, God damn it, Logan O'Connor. That was good. Like that was really good. Then he's been the arguably the most consistent player for the avalanche this year. Yeah, I'd argue he's been the hardest working player on the team. You can make an argument for several players, but every single game that Logan O'Connor has been in the lineup, his effort on every shift is unimpeachable. Every time he is on the ice, he is battling tooth and nail for that puck. He's laying hits, he's going into the boards, and he finally got rewarded with this goal. And he probably should have a couple more at this point in the season outside of some outstanding saves, some bad puck luck, but... Now that the first one's gone in, with him working as hard as he is, I'm not going to say anything as crazy. Maybe he'll be even a 15-goal scorer this season. But we don't – With as talented as we are, we don't need him to be. So he's just the kind of player that does all of the little things right. And it's great to see a guy like that just finally get rewarded. And the game just kind of felt like it was going as it was supposed to up to this point we're playing Columbus it's a weekday it's an uneventful game you get a goal from a depth player this two-on-one from Nazem Kadri and Bowen Byram was so pretty and Bowen Byram cashes in for his second goal of the season a great setup by Nazem Kadri and things just felt pretty good at this point yeah they felt great because those are two players that you need to score especially when you're missing all of those pieces that we mentioned Nazem Kadri looks really freaking good this year. I think he ended up having a three or four point night tonight. Yeah, he was in on every single goal except for the final goal. Yeah, he was awesome. Bowen Byram, we'll talk a lot about. 
I think we're both in agreement. I'm, just I'm awesome saving that. I've got a lot to yeah. say about Bo Byram. Like he was awesome this whole game and it was just a pretty goal. I mean, Nazem Kadri put it exactly where it needed to be and Bo just buried it and the abs are up two nothing and everything seems to be rolling. Like you said, it seems like it's, it's a Thursday night. Abs are playing well with all their injuries up to nothing. Everything seems to be going good. Jojo looks strong. And at the end of the second period, was it Jake Bean who scored the first goal for Columbus? Yeah. Jake Bean scores the first goal. I, and we talked about this a little bit off air. I don't think this was a particularly bad defensive play by the Av- They got hemmed in their own zone. Absolutely. But this was just a good play by the Blue Jackets. I thought I thought they circled the puck around well. I thought the shot taken by Jake Bean was very smart through some traffic. It just hit Eric Johnson in the skate and, and beat JoJo. I wouldn't say this is how JoJo missed this one. Someone blew this assignment. I thought we, we couldn't get the puck out of our own zone, which not good, but it happens. And the Blue Jackets took advantage of it. I, I had no indications that this was the, a symptom of something much worse to come. Yeah, it kind of just seemed like, all right, the abs are, they gave up one, but the way they were playing in the second period, you thought they were going to come out and continue that in the third period. And uh, yeah, that, that didn't happen, man. Because the third period, uh, to sum it up, uh, the first 17 minutes were probably some of the worst hockey you're going to see out of the avalanche all year. Yeah, I think this goes toe-to-toe with the first period against uh, Vegas from a couple games ago. And I think you can make the argument for whichever one you want to be worse. But just looking at this game, this is the third period of a a one-goal game. You do not have the luxury to step off the gas like that. I don't even think you can call this turtling because at least turtling, you're defending at least a little bit. This was terrible. And that's why I can't use injuries as an excuse for this one. Because you had essentially 40 minutes of decent hockey. You were playing well. You had this game. You should have won this game. And then all of a sudden, we're losing four to two. Like, we come out of the the blink of an eye. In the blink of an eye. eye. Less than 10 minutes into this period, we're down four to two. This game is tied a minute and 13 seconds into the period, Cole Sillinger and Jack Johnson needs to, to pick up the stick on this play. Yep. You know, it's not Curtis McDermott bad, but that's the only scoring threat right there. And you're the only guy on them. The only way they can score a goal here is if they center that and tap the puck right in. And that's exactly what they did. Jack Johnson needs to have his stick there and he needs to at least, get a stick lift in there and prevent that goal from happening. He didn't. And now all of a sudden this game is tied. Momentum is completely in the blue jackets favor. And not like not even three minutes later, we're losing. And it's 18 year old Cole Sillinger again. And do you let's play our favorite game again. Whose fault was this on the play? Let's, let's take another guess. Like we did last episode, because for some reason, this guy keeps playing. Do you want to guess? I'm going to go with Curtis McDermott. That is the safest bet imaginable. And you are correct. Once again, Curtis McDermott, this isn't even his worst play of the season, but it's not good. Actually, we completely ignored him getting rushed past by Hoffman on the Blue Jackets just with a terrible play that JoJo bailed him out for. 
just it, it was it almost looked like the Braden Shen goal from the the Blues the, the Blues game in Colorado. But brushing past that one, this is a two on one, three on one really for the Blue Jackets, and he defends it by just laying down. And they look at they literally look at him and just go around him, and just for the wide open pass to Sillinger for his second of the period. Period. It, it was so bad, and I know he's not all the reason to blame, but he's a big reason why we blame that goal. I just don't know why we don't call up like guy like Keaton Middleton. Like at least he's, he has to be better than Curtis McDermott. Like, I don't know what deal Curtis McDermott like made that he deserves to be on this team because what what was his time on ice? He probably played like five, could had to be under 15 minutes. I can find it. I have it right here. I can find it, but he played seven fifty eight, which is, Barely above Jacob McDonald, who was playing fourth line wing. And he's our third pair defenseman right now. And and somehow he's buried on the third pair with Kale McCarr and Devon Taves out. A guy like Sam Gerard, who's just coming back. You got Jack Johnson, who we thought really was going to be the Achilles heel of this team. He's he's playing a top four defenseman minutes. Like it's been fine. <laughs> it's, he's been fine. Like tonight was the first time Jack Johnson made an egregious mistake. And even, it was even the first then. Time. It wasn't horrific. It wasn't, it wasn't horrific. McDermott horrific. It was just like a thing happened really fast and he didn't catch it. Oh, well. Curtis McDermott thought he was Eric Johnson when he was laying down in the ice because I'll give EJ credit. EJ always breaks that shit up. <laughs> and I think Curtis McDermott was watching that film and he goes, I see I do. I'm going to do the same thing. And I keep waiting for this physical presence and this fighting that he's going to bring. And he has not done one thing of that. You know, and like, I, I have I have to bring something up here with Curtis McDermott. The worst part of Curtis McDermott for me tonight was not this play. It wasn't the play where he got burned. It is when we're down four to two in the third period. It's well past the point where the Blue Jackets made it four to two. There's that little scrum in front of the Blue Jackets net, and he's getting in someone's face. I think I don't even remember who this is. And even if you told me their name, it would be the first time I've ever heard their name. Curtis McDermott is in his face. And he's laughing at him. You can see it clear as day. He is laughing in his face because this no-name guy realizes this is Curtis McDermott. He's laughing at him. And he's pointing at the scoreboard, mocking him, and looking at him with that glare, just mocking him all the way to the bench. What did we acquire this guy for? This is Like that right there, the scrum, is the reason we acquired him so that he could keep the flies off our back, stand up for us, intimidate other teams. Curtis McDermott is not intimidating. He's a laughing stock. And this is not the first time that this has happened this year. It's quite, it's quite frankly embarrassing when the guy you got to protect your guys, to be big and scary, is being actively laughed at by other teams because he's a fucking joke and he's terrible. And I feel horrible saying that. Because I don't think there's anyone being harder on Curtis McDermott than Curtis McDermott. But at a certain point, this is the NHL. And he's just not good enough. And he's not even doing the job that we brought him in to do. Even if he was as terrible as he's been and a complete mess defensively, he would still bring some kind of value if he could be at least somewhat scary. But who in their right mind would fight him? Why would you ever take that guy off of the ice? Your chances of scoring go up drastically 
every time he's on the ice. I mean, how much how much time did I say he played? 7.58 this game? 7.58. And we talked about two instances where one was an almost goal and one was a goal. Eight, that should be happening when you're playing that minutes. little minutes. Yeah. Eight it should, minutes of playing time. Why would you be ever want all. that guy off the ice? You want him on the ice as much as possible. And looking at all of that, I just – there's nothing here with Curtis McDermott. And we've talked about him so many times over the course of this young season. There's just nothing here. It's not that he's bad defensively. It's not that he doesn't do literally anything offensively. It's the fact that he's a laughing stock. I think to me, seeing that was the 500th nail in the coffin to this Curtis McDermott experiment. It has been a complete and utter failure. He scares no one. They're laughing at him and they're laughing at us. And it's embarrassing. And like you've said in previous episodes, the abs are not a soft team by any means. They aren't. There's a scrum almost after every play. The abs aren't scared of anyone. Who had the most recent fight on this team? Oh, geez. Now I got to, was it McKinnon? Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't need a guy like that. Who's a liability. Like I would rather have a Nikita Zadorov than a Curtis McDermott 10 times out of 10. Absolutely. At least Zadorov plays somewhat at an NHL level. And And even when he's not, he's still Nikita Zadorov and he's kind of a prick. And that has some value. The only caveat I gave Curtis McDermott coming into the season, I knew he was going to suck, but I thought he was just going to bring something in terms of intimidation. Agree or disagree with that kind of style of play or not, it does something. You don't see players laughing at Ryan Reeves. You don't see players laughing at Tom Wilson. Like all, all the players that people love to hate in this league because they're pests, you don't see players when they're in scrums laughing at them. They're looking at them with rage because they want to hurt them. With Curtis McDermott, I don't think I've ever seen players laughing at someone because of how bad they are. And this is not the first time we talked about this against Vegas. They're mocking us. They're saying this guy is terrible. Literally, how do you deal with him? During the Vegas game on an ESPN broadcast, there was the... This guy fucking sucks that came out over the hot mic in the middle of the game. And they're talking about McDermott. Like this isn't even funny anymore. Like this is embarrassing. It's embarrassing the team. We can't keep doing this. You can't put them on the ice and expect different results. It's crazy. Like I said, I I don't know why you don't bring up a guy like Keith Middleton or a guy. I I know Justin Barron's hurt, but when he comes back, I'd rather have Justin Barron playing those eight minutes. Like, I know Justin Barron's still a project, but I'd rather have someone like that on my team than a fucking Curtis McDermott who's just – every time he's on the ice, you have to hold your breath. And he's so fucking slow, dude. Like, I've never seen a player in the NHL be so fucking slow. Now, maybe if it's 1980 and Curtis McDermott's in the NHL, he'd probably be great. Like, if it's the 80s, because they aren't fast. It wasn't a speed game. Now it's all about speed and skill, and he doesn't have either. So I just, I sincerely hope that this was the final straw. And I don't know what, if it, I don't know if it is like, I I really don't, I don't know what he has in his contract or something that he worked out with Joe Sackick and Jerry Bednar to keep being the seventh or I guess ninth defenseman now for us. Like I'd rather have a Dennis Gilbert up here. 
At least yeah. Gilbert actually gets at least Des Gilbert actually gets in fights and he's not a complete and utter joke. Like I just named two defensemen I would rather three defensemen on the Eagles right now that I would rather have up than fucking Curtis McDermott. Yeah, and like when Barron is healthy, if you bring him up, even if he has the exact same game that Curtis McDermott does and he's terrible, he's learning. That's not gonna happen again. With Curtis McDermott, there's none of that. He's not young. Like, at least if you're throwing a project out there, you're at least accomplishing something by developing a player and showing them what NHL speed is like. And if they get burned, they get burned. At least they're learning. With McDermott, you're literally accomplishing nothing. And I don't want this to come off as Curtis McDermott is the reason we lost, like we, like you said earlier, because that's not true. But this can't keep happening. We can't keep talking about this every single episode because there hasn't been a game where Curtis McDermott has been even passable, even Jack Johnson level like of inoffensive because we haven't talked about Jack Johnson all that much because he has been fine. He's been perfectly fine. Curtis McDermott, almost every other shift is making some kind of egregious error that is costing this team. I really don't remember the last time I've seen a player this bad. It's really bad. He's, I think right now as Avs fans, we're just looking for someone to blame and he's such an easy person to blame because his mistakes are the easiest to notice. And you can't keep, like I said, man, I'm not part of practices. I don't know what they're being, like what's being said to him, but he makes the same mistake every single game. It seems like the exact same mistake. Like, and I don't even know if it's mistakes that he's in the wrong place. I think he's just slower than everyone. Like he's slower and he should not be a defenseman. Like, oh, it, it's, it's irritating, man. I'm sick of tired about this, sick of talking about this guy. I just really hope that once Taves comes back, Makar comes back and everyone comes back, he just gets buried down in the depth chart and we don't see him again for the rest of the year. We've said that every game. We've said, we've still- said it. We said it after the first time he played against St. Louis and nothing has changed. If anything, it's gotten worse. Mm-hmm. So I hope this is the last time we have to talk about him. I, I mean, no, I have no ill intention against Curtis McDermott as a person. I'm sure he's a great guy. And I, I genuinely feel bad ripping on a guy as much as we have with Curtis McDermott, but at a certain point, you just don't belong at the NHL level. And when the coach keeps running him out there, we have to keep talking about it because it, it doesn't change. So I hope this is the last time he's in the lineup. Hopefully the Makar's thing is a short-term thing and Taze seems like he'll be back next game. So maybe this is the last time and I hope so because it this just doesn't work. And I can't imagine it feels very good to be Curtis McDermott in this position either. So I hope for everybody's sake that this can just be done. So I'm ready to move on from Curtis McDermott. I can, we can talk about just outside of McDermott, the disaster that this third period was right out of the get-go. The blue jackets just killed us. It was six to nothing in shots at a certain point. And they had scored two goals at that point. They'd already taken the lead and they get another one. And this is all less than 10 minutes into the third period goes from two to one a lead that you cannot possibly be comfortable sitting on to four to two. Like, are you serious? 
Yeah, we, we recapped the first two Columbus goals. The third one, Landy was a little bit lazy on the back check, I thought. Um, if I had one gripe with JoJo today, his rebound control wasn't the best. Uh, he's given up a lot of rebounds. And with the young goaltender, you kind of expect that. With JoJo, you expect that. Um, but, yeah, that, the goal that Landy gave up, it was a really lazy back check. That puck never should have gotten there. And the abs are down 4-2. And it was – it was weird watching it because you rarely see the Avs get dominated like that. And if they do get dominated like that, it's by a team that's actually good. I think we're both in agreement that the Blue Jackets are going to be a decent team. They're going to be a pain in the neck yeah, in the East. They're fine. They're not a great team, but they're not bad. You have to take them seriously. That's what happened. We didn't take them seriously here. And going back to JoJo, I really don't think JoJo was that bad in this game, but he's not the kind of goalie that you can just leave out to dry like that and expect things to work out. This is not Darcy Kemper. And JoJo is your third string goalie for a reason. When Babel Francois comes back, he's not going to play anymore. And that's for a reason. You can't put that kind of performance in front of him and expect him to bail you out. So I, I, I can't really put any of these goals on JoJo's shoulder because it's not like these were clean shots from the point going in. Yeah, you know what? Maybe a better goalie makes some of these saves, but he's not. You know exactly what you're getting when he's in net. This is exactly what I expect from Jonas Johansson. Decent saves, but when the, when the going gets pretty tough being left up to dry, he's not going to stop it because he's just not that kind of goalie. And it's silly to expect otherwise. And so all these plays, like the, the Jack Johnson letting Cole Sillinger get the stick in front of the net, Curtis McDermott just laying down and the lazy Landeskog back check like you brought up. Yeah, those are going to go in your net. This is just not that kind of goalie that's going to bail you out. And we don't expect him to do that. Like, we both know that JoJo's not going to steal us a game, but he's not going to cost us a game either. And I'll give JoJo credit. When he came here, I was – remember that first Arizona game with him? Like how bad he was in that game. Yeah, honestly, like the the first shot he faced when I think we, if I'm remembering right, I think we won this game and he looked all right. But the no, first shot he faced went in the net. I think you're thinking Hunter Miska. No, we lost the first game JoJo played. It was in Arizona. We lost in the shootout. Remember? I think you was was I'm thinking. Was, am I thinking of was, Miska? I think you're thinking of Miska. But yeah, that was his first game. Was JoJo? He was in Arizona. And he gave up a goal on the first shot. The abs dominated the entire game, but uh, I forget who the goal, I think it may have been Aiden Hill stole the game for the coyotes. And we had a power play. The abs had a power play in overtime and hit the post like two times. It was a ridiculous game. I know Jojo. Yeah. Jojo in the shootout got exposed that. Okay. That's, that sounds more familiar. I know exactly the game that you're talking about. I, I know the only shootout loss we had, was Arizona the only shootout we had okay yeah, yeah. uh yeah th- yeah you're totally right so he yeah 28 for 32 in his first start and I mean 875 not good wasn't good in the shootout okay so yeah, yeah. he that was the only game I can remember where Jojo was bad that's the only game yeah and then ever since then he has been rock solid as a third string goalie which is what he is. He's not going to steal you a game and win you a game, but he's not going to cost you a game either. And the Avs cost themselves two points because of – I just – I still don't get – it. that's what's frustrating is the first two periods were good. Like they were really – like they were solid in those first two periods. 
And I don't know what happened when they came out for the third period or what Gatorade the fucking Blue Jackets had in the third period because the Blue Jackets came out in the third period and shit kicked us. They didn't just beat us. They fucking pushed our heads down into the ice and kicked our faces in. It was really bad, dude. And the Blue Jackets deserved the win tonight, and they got the win. They deserved the win. I'm not going to say the Avs deserved that win tonight because the performance in the third period alone does not deserve two points at all. No, and it's exactly like you brought up the first two periods. I thought we're totally fine. And after the, the Byram goal made it two to nothing, I was like, okay, this game, this game is going pretty much exactly how I expected it would. Okay. It's two mm-hmm. to one. Now there's no reason we shouldn't be able to close this out in the third period. And they, they just didn't show up for the third. Per- I, I don't, I understand that even less than not showing up to begin a game for the Vegas game. At least they showed up later in the game. That, that at least makes sense. You get better as the game goes on. I don't get getting worse for a one goal game in the third period. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. Just all of a sudden the execution stopped. Like this is not an injury thing. This comes down to execution and buying in. Frankly, there was not a buy-in in this third period from the team to finish the job. And we are so lucky that we got a point out of this game. And I credit it to one man. And one man alone, Te- technically not even a full-grown adult. That is Bowen Byram, because can't oh, have a wow. beer yet. Yeah, can't have he's a young- beer yet. He's younger than me. I'm still trying to process that Bowen Byram is literally younger than me. If I played in the NHL, my drafter would have been a year before him, which is crazy to think about. But Bowen Byram is such a fucking legend. I love this kid so much. He had every reason in the world to play like shit tonight. No Kale McCarr to to face all the tough defensive matchups and to carry the load and do everything like Kale McCarr does. He didn't have that blanket tonight. And there's no Devontae's who he hasn't really played yet with either. But last year, that's our whole top pairing. Bowen Byram was relied on heavily in this game. And by God, did he ever come through. He was the best player on the ice all night long. He is in on every single goal except the first one. He gets the goal in the second period on the setup from Kadri. And with the net empty, he sets up the JT Comfort deflection goal with that shot from the point, and he scores the tie-in goal. He drags this team, kicking and screaming, to a point that they did not deserve. The 20-year-old Bowen Byram is the one doing it. If anything, that even makes me a little upset. This is a rookie. This is a 20-year-old kid, technically. And he is the one that is showing up and understands the circumstance. There is no Makar to back me up tonight. I need to play better. And he did. And he was really one of the few guys I feel like stepped up to the challenge because yeah, injuries suck, but this is the circumstance that you have. These are the cards that you have been dealt tonight. It matters how you respond to it. And Byram is the guy that did it. The rookie we've talked about this a lot this year, just how good the avalanche defensemen are because Bowen Byram would be arguably a top two, like a top pair defenseman on 20 other NHL teams. When we get healthy, he's, he's going to be a part of the second pair. And that's just how good the avalanche defensemen are. And every single game, Bowen Byram has gotten better every single game. He has not had one moment where I'm like, ah, geez, the rookie's out there. 
every single game he has gotten better. I think his time on ice has increased almost every single game he's played so, too. So here, here's a question for you. Who are the, who are the two players in this game that played the most on both teams? On both teams? Yeah. I'm going to say Zach Wierenski and Bowen Byram. You are correct on one of them. Bowen Byram is correct. He played the second most minutes of the game. First is Jake Bean of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He played seven, He played 17 more seconds than Bo Byram did. Bo Byram played the most minutes, most time on ice of anybody on this team tonight. He played a full 40 seconds more than Sam Girard did. And obviously more than anyone on the forward core as well. Actually, Gabe Landeskog, now I'm looking at closer, played a few more seconds than Byram did. So, But he still had the most time on ice of any defense. That's impressive that Landeskog got that much ice time tonight now that I'm looking at that. But Bo Byram, 20-year-old Bo Byram, had the weight of the world on his shoulders tonight, and he rose to the challenge unbelievably. Even when he wasn't scoring two goals and putting up three points, he was making great plays defensively. Like you said, getting better every single night. You were talking about how Logan O'Connor is the next jersey you're going to buy. This game, to me, cemented that Bowen Byram is the next one I'm going to get. He might have become my favorite player tonight. That's how good he played and how hard he was working. It was noticeable, especially in the third period, when a lot of people took their foot off the gas, that Byram was giving it his all because he knew that he was being depended on. And that is what an elite player does. Not just a good player. That's what an elite player does. Because he's showing – I hate to make this judgment because we just know how good Kale McCarr is, but he's showing flashes of Kale McCarr. Like, you can't tell me you watch Bo Byram and you don't think, like, okay, he's just basically another Kale McCarr except a little bit bigger frame. Like, it's kind of scary how loaded the abs are with defensemen because Justin Barron's looking the exact same way. Um, so, <laughs> I love the kid. I think he's going to be a superstar. I think he has a chance, uh, Not maybe not this year, but in his career to get 65, 70 points in a season. Because um, we saw what he did with top pair minutes tonight, and he's the, he's the power play one defenseman. He had three points, like, and it was pretty easy for him, two goals. Like, when he jumped up in that play with Kadri, that was a – like, that's what a seasoned veteran does on defense, but not a rookie. Rookie defenseman's not jumping up in that play right there. Like, that's Kale McCarr. Um, I love the kid. I think he's going to be a rock star. It's a good problem to have when we do finally get healthy figuring out who's going to get the minutes because we're loaded defenseman-wise. But – it was Bowen Byram who single-handedly gave the avalanche a point tonight. They did not deserve a point. They did not. It's plain and simple. We did not deserve a point tonight. Oh. And Bowen Byram was Bowen Byram and single-handedly got us a point in that game. Because McKinnon, McKinnon was okay tonight. I thought McKinnon had a couple flashes, but he wasn't Nathan McKinnon tonight. No. He wasn't the Nathan McKinnon we saw during the Minnesota game. Uh, Landy was okay. I mean, that lazy back check, but – if it's not for guys like Bo Byram, we, we don't get a point in that game. No, and to be quite honest, I was a little disappointed in McKinnon tonight because th- this is the game where you need Nathan McKinnon to not just be Nathan McKinnon, to be the best version of himself because you don't have Branton and you don't have Berkey. You don't have McCarr. You're missing those key pieces. That's when you need your superstar to step up. And that's why I'm even a little frustrated that Byram is the guy that stepped up and did all of that for everybody else because that – that just shouldn't be the case with your rookie. And I'm so happy he did. I mean, the last 
three and a half minutes of this game alone is Bo Byram making it all happen. You know, McKinnon got the, the assist on that goal, but Byram set that entire play up and finished it up himself. And the comp for goal is a deflection of a Bo Byram shot, both with the net empty, both with Johansson on the bench. And we simply do not get anything out of this game without Bo and Byram. And we're, we are lucky that we got a point out of this game. And in the overtime, we never had a shot. They, they won the faceoff right away. Kadri completely blew his assignment. And Jake Bean, who was outstanding in this game, I mean, Columbus, they played well. I mean, this was a mixture of they, they're playing well and getting bounces, and we're playing like trash. And But their young guys stepped up in this game. Kadri blew his assignment. Voracek found Jake being wide open and you want, you want to save on this one, but this is just a shot that goes in a lot in overtime. I can't, again, I can't blame Johansson. What do you expect when you give a guy that much space on your third string goalie, you need to put a better effort in front of him. It's like we had the, the discussion about weeks ago before the Florida road trip. I argued to put Johansson in net against Florida, and he eventually did because you need a better effort in front of him. And I thought that was the wake-up call this team needed. That still applies to this game. You need to put a better effort in front of your third-string goalie. And if you don't, you can't be surprised when goals go in, especially one like this, a completely blown defensive coverage. And again, what do you expect? We never had a shot in this overtime, but I, I couldn't even really be mad because we got a point out of it, and it was all thanks to Byram. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? I hope you are because DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. It's really just that simple. And if DraftKings Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, don't worry because DraftKings is not going to leave you empty-handed because everybody can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings daily fantasy sports contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, back to the episode. There's going to be games like this during the year where you have no business being in a game. I don't even say we have no business being in a game. It's just that third period was so bad it puts a rotten taste in your mouth for how good they played the first two periods. And that's what's frustrating to me is because it wasn't like they played the whole game bad. And it was the same thing in the Vegas game. You play one bad period and it costs you games. You just can't afford to do that. It's a national hockey league. You can't come out and play flat. And it makes no sense how you start the game so strong and then you play so shitty in the third period. 
Like the more and more we've talked about, it, the more and more this game frustrates me, and the more and more thankful we got a point out of it because we had no business getting a point out of it. And you have three days off, two days off now. Play Saturday. Yeah, we play on Saturday now. Saturday against Columbus again. Days, against Columbus again, and I sure as shit hope we don't come out and give the same effort we gave in the third period against them again because now they're going to be on their home ice with Merce Lincoln's probably in net and hopefully Kemper's in net, but Kale McCarr won't be playing. I don't expect Miko Rantanen to play. Berkey, maybe, and maybe Devon Tapes. So it's going to be a majority of the same lineup. So there's no excuses again. You're playing the same team. You know exactly what they're going to do. You need to come out and play better. Yeah, and Columbus is a team that you can't take a period off against because they're working hard. They've got a great mix of young players and veterans that are just gelling together right now. And they've got a decent record so far. I think they're six and three after this win tonight and they're not a bad team. And you look at the guys who scored the goals in this game. I mean, they're guys they got in return for Seth Jones this offseason. Cole Sillinger is the guy they picked with the Blackhawks pick in this draft. And he scored two goals back to back in this one. And Jake Bean, scores the first goal for them and scores the overtime winner in this one. And he's the guy that didn't, they didn't directly get for Seth Jones, but they flipped the second that they got from Chicago to Carolina for Jake Bean. So technically part of the Seth Jones trade tree, but those are the guys that are working really hard. The other guy who scored is the new captain Boone Jenner. This is a team that's working. This is a team that is working really hard and is working hard to prove people wrong. And if you take a third period off in a one goal game against this team, you're getting exactly what you ask for. You know, it they worked hard, you didn't, and they scored four straight goals on you. It's not hard to figure out. And you somehow got Bo Byron by the grace of God to drag you to this game to drag this game to overtime. But you can't keep losing like this. We've, we've had too many conversations on this show early on just about poor effort. You can't keep losing like this. I don't mind losses if the process is good. As long as it doesn't interfere with you making the playoffs, which I don't think any of this will, then it truly does not matter to me all that much as long as it looks like you're playing well. I can't stand poor efforts. They drive me nuts. And that's exactly what this game was. It was a poor effort in the third period, and it just can't happen, man. And we talked about in the last episode about how this is a month that you need to feast on wins because this is a really easy month when you look at it. You're playing a bunch of teams who are middle of the pack, and you can really create some distance between you and the other teams in your division. And the start of this month is not good. Not good. I don't think either of us – I was anticipating maybe to lose in Columbus. I had no thoughts about losing at home against Columbus. None. And here we are talking about how we were lucky to even get a point against Columbus yeah. at home. After 40 minutes of solid hockey, how we were lucky to get a point because the 15 minutes of the third period were just so abhorrently terrible. Like, that that just can't happen. Like, I yes, I get it. No Ransonen, no Makar, but that should not affect your effort. That should make you that should make you give more effort, honestly. You don't have your stars. How are you not stepping up even more? Like that's that's just something 
that I don't understand in this one. And coming into this month, I gave them two losses for the entire month that I will, I will give them a pass on because it's the NHL. And when the collapse was happening, I was thinking, oh man, it, do I have to adjust that because of all the injuries and everything? And as it went on, I was like, no, no, you don't get a pass for this one. You had this game. You gave it up. You gave this one away. You don't get a pass because of injuries. So this is one loss. And if they lose more than two more for the rest of this month, I'm going to be kind of pissed because these should be games that you win. And Byram got us a point in this one. So now if we hit the road for Columbus and we get two points, all all of a sudden that's three of four. And that doesn't look that bad. And then we have four days off before we play Vancouver again at home. And maybe things will look better after that. So I don't know, but there was no reason not to get two points in this one. At least it's against a team like Columbus, which again, like Washington a couple weeks ago, doesn't hurt you to lose to, but at some point you you just can't keep losing games like this because it will start to add up and we're barely treading water at 500 right now. Barely treading water. And I'm going to be cautiously optimistic that Thursday game against Vancouver on the 11th, which we're going to plug this a little bit. If you want free tickets to the game, go retweet or tweet that we tweeted about the Canucks game and follow the Teledavs It Is podcast for your chance to win. Um, I think that's going to be the game we see every – that could be the first time all year we see the healthiest version of the Avs. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so because so, if it's not going to be then, it might not be ever because that is that, – I think that's the longest break we have all season – looking at the upcoming schedule for the next couple months. Cause we talked last episode about December and January outside of Christmas break. You do not have more than three days off ever. You have two days at most. And the three days is Christmas itself. You have the Olympic break, which a strong portion of this team is going to make, which is not a break whatsoever for a lot of nope. them. And you immediately come back with a back-to-back of Winnipeg and Vegas on the 25th and 26th. So rest up while you can. And March, there's really not many days off here. April, the longest day, most time off is three days. And the end of that is a back-to-back against LA and New Jersey at home. And that's it. So yeah, this upcoming stretch after Saturday against Columbus is our longest break of the season. If we're not healthy for this one, I don't think we will ever be because it's not going to get easier after this. And yeah, there's a, there's another little break after the the San Jose game of three days before we play Vancouver. But after that, that is it. After that, it is full steam ahead until the Olympic break. It is games, for the most part, every other day. So we have to get healthy here. And it's it's like I said earlier, if there's ever a time to be injured this season, it's now. Because this was one of three games over the next eight days and four games over the next 11. So even if guys are hurt right now, they're not going to be out for long, but if it's not better after this, this I will officially be worried. I'll be officially be worried after, um, after the 11th against Vancouver. Yeah. If if that, that game doesn't go well. Yeah. I'd say that the 17th on the road against Vancouver, if this team is still really fucked up by then, I'm going to be pretty worried at that point because that's a problem. It'll be, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. So fingers crossed. Let's just get this game 
out of our brains except the good parts with Bo and Byram. Reset Saturday in Columbus at 5 p.m. We go into Nationwide Arena and we win that game. That's where I'm at right now. I'm flushing this game right now. It's gone. We're we're gonna we're gonna win on Saturday. Yeah, we're going to. And and based on this game, what we saw for two periods, we should, regardless of if it is the same lineup or not, we had the opportunity to win this game and we blew it. So you have the opportunity, a rare opportunity, one that you had a ton of last year, one that you really won't have an opportunity this year to get it right back against the same team later this week. And hopefully we can do that and take care of business, but we've got a couple days off now to hopefully heal up and get a little healthier before we hit the road, but there's nothing we can do about this one. Now Byram got us a point. Oh, well, you know, could have been better. Could have been worse. We could have been walking away with nothing. So we move on from this one. Uh, do you want to talk about Jack Eichel and uh, the trade rumors that have been surrounding him over the last couple of days before we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, just the nothingness that's happening with it. <laughs> yeah, the the everything and the nothing that is happening. Because when we initially started talking about it, it was, oh, he's, he's going to go to Vegas by the end of the day. And it's going to be Peyton Krebs, Riley Smith, and Nick Haig. And then it didn't happen. It got cold. Now the rumor is Calgary and Matthew Kachuk and a former first round pick and another first round pick and yada, 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 other stuff. Now the rumor is no Kachuk is involved and it's Monahan instead. And the same package. Like I am so fucking tired of talking about this, man. It has been months. Like when did we start talking about this? The trade deadline last year. I don't even think it was then, man. We were talking about this when I first came on the show. Like we've been talking about this for so long and I'm, I just, I just want the guy to get traded so he can get that surgery and we can get one of the best players in the NHL back on the ice. I would pray to the gods. It's not to Vegas. I mean, that that's my only wish is that he doesn't go to Vegas. I mean, Calgary's not much better, but it's, he's going to be traded to a Western conference team because Buffalo's stubborn like that, and they're not going to want him have to face him in an Eastern Conference. So it's just it's sad at this point. We just need to get it fucking done. Like I keep thinking that this GM thinks he's going to get the same haul that Sackett got for Duchesne if he just waits out. But I don't think any GM's ever going to be that desperate to trade for a player who's going to need surgery and give up the amount of prospects and picks you're going to need to get for a guy who's probably not going to play this year now at this point. Yeah. This, this whole situation is just so bizarre. I've, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. And now the recent rumor right before we start recording is that the blues might be in on this too, a little bit, whether it's with a, a three-way trade, it was kind of, it was reported during the intermission of the, the blues and Kings game that just wrapped up. And I don't have a ton of details on this, but it was reported that they might be in on some of this as well. They'd obviously need to clear significant cap space and they have the young players to do it, but I don't know if they're the team that like one for one is going to be trading for Eichel. If they'll be involved with something like, especially if something involves Matthew Kachuk, the blues would be all over that and trying to make that happen. So who knows? Maybe Kevin Adams is about to pull the most Joe Sackick, Matt Duchesne trade of all time. But I just want, I want to be done with this. We've been talking about it for so long. 
And it's now gotten to the point where Eichel's going to miss the Olympics at least this season. And like, just trade him already. Like, if this trade isn't done in a couple of days, Eichel is probably going to be filing a grievance with the with the league about how this has been handled. Like, at a certain point, Buffalo just has to take what they can get because this guy needs to be traded. There is no other solution to this problem other than Jack Eichel being traded. He's not going to get the surgery you want him to get, and you're not going to let him get the surgery that he wants to get. You're at an impasse, and the longer you wait the more you're damaging his career. And you just can't keep doing that at a certain point. Trade him to Calgary, trade him to Vegas. I, I don't see how Vegas can top the rumored package that Calgary is offering, even, even if it's Monaghan instead of Kachuk. That's, that's still a lot. And Monaghan has struggled a lot over the last couple of years, and I, I don't think going to Buffalo is going to help him struggling, but... That's a good package they put together in Calgary. And I, I don't know if Vegas can top that. And I think I've, I saw a decent rumor that that package got leaked that included Kachuk in order to get Vegas to up their offer. Maybe it was like a thousand IQ play from Buffalo, but they're not smart enough to do that. Yeah, they're, I don't think they're smart <laughs> enough to do that. And th- this whole thing, like just, we need to be done with it at a certain point. Trade, we need to be done with it. Trade him, trade him, because- please. It's one of those things too, where it's like you're telling a human being they can't do what they think is best for them. Like it, it, it seems like I've never, and I know technically these players are all under contract, but I've never seen like a team treat a player like he's a piece of property. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like this is the first time in a while. Yeah, and their reasoning for it is just so narrow-minded, and honestly, just kind of flat out dumb because this Eichel wants a surgery that hasn't been done to an NHL player before you know the 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 spinal disc replacement surgery I think is the one he wants instead of the fusion that Buffalo wants him to get the only reason that Buffalo is hung up about this is because it hasn't been done specifically on an NHL player before even though it has been done in the NFL in the UFC to other hockey players around the world and has worked great. But just because it hasn't specifically been done in the NHL, that's where the hangup is. And that's why they have drawn this thing out for months and would rather trade their star player and withhold him from getting the surgery that he needs because, well, it just hasn't been done in the NHL before. Like you're going to, ruin your relationship with your franchise player for this. It just seems so dumb. It seems petty. And what free agent's going to want to go there after all this? If you're a free agent, why would you want to go to Buffalo? Why? You, like, just, you don't. You go somewhere else. You just don't want to go there because you, you know you're not going to be treated like a human being. You're going to be treated like a piece of property. Like, it, it makes zero sense. I really do hope the NHL gets involved here soon and they take care of this problem because it's, it's not good for the league. It's not with everything else going on in the league right now, they need to at least get something positive going on. And it's just, it it needs to, it needs to end. I really hope it's not to Vegas, but like you said, and we were texting about this. I don't know how does, I think Vegas and Tampa Bay's cap is just imaginary. Like their their salary cap is just an imaginary thing. 
because they somehow maneuver around it every single time. And I don't know how they could make the money work for a Jack Eichel joining the team, even if he goes to LTIR. I just don't know how it happens. But it does need to happen. Jack Eichel needs to be traded. It's a damn shame as an American we won't get to watch one of the best American players play on the Olympics because of a stalemate with this team. Like, could you imagine Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews on the same team? That'd be pretty yeah. fucking dirty, I mean, dude. We kind of need Jack Eichel if uh, the U.S. wants any chance in the Olympics because not just Canada, but teams like Finland and Russia look really good. So Sweden looks really good, too. Sweden I'd say looks, we're probably the fifth. Yeah, I'd say we're fifth in terms of, yeah, being favorites for the gold. Canada's Canada's going to win. I think it's going to be Canada and Finland going for the gold together. Interesting. Um, yeah. Russia looks really good. And Sweden, like you said, Sweden honestly didn't, their projected roster didn't impress me as much as I thought it would, but they still look honestly better than the U.S. does. So, yeah, because oh. we're still looking, it's still going to probably end up being Jonathan dumbass quick, probably on the Team USA uh. team as a, uh, as a sympathy pick. And then you probably got Jack Campbell, Connor Hellebuck. Like, I don't know who else, what other American Gibson, goalies you got. Maybe? John Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that's the thing is it's like, you're telling me I'm going to have to go up against, uh, it sounds like good news too, at uh, the NHL. Carey Price, I've heard that he's going to be back with the uh, Canadians on potentially as early as Saturday. Oh, that's good. So, good. So that's good news. Good for Carey Price. Uh, you got Marc-Andre Fleury, who if he wasn't on the trash Blackhawks, he probably would be better. Um, he's He hasn't looked great. Just the, the goals that he is physically letting in are not good. Eh, I blame that on the Blackhawks. Um, I, that's perfectly fair, honestly. Yeah. And then you've got Darcy Kemper will probably be in contention for a third string, but Canada's forwards alone are going to be better than, I mean, it's an all-star team at that point. McDavid, I mean, Crosby, McKinnon, gold medal. Nothing else matters. That's your one, okay. two, three at center. Well, and you got Patrice Bergeron too. You got Brad Marchand. Like, Brad right team's point. just. Yeah, Team Canada is going to run away with it. McCarr. Like, McCarr, maybe Bo and Byram now at this yeah. point, the way he's playing. Shea Theater, like, Team Canada's loaded. They're going to win the gold, and I just hope USA can medal. But without Jack Eichel, that's going to be very tough. Yeah. So, to wrap yeah. that up, we are both in agreement. You got to get Jack Eichel out of Buffalo. And maybe Buffalo, like, I, I do feel bad for their fans because I do know that Buffalo is a very passionate sports town. It's the best. Um. And they deserve to have a team that's good, but they've just been run by stupidity for the past. Seems like because they made the cup final in 97. Was that the last time they went when they lost to the stars? I think that sounds about right. I think it was 97. 97 um, sounds right. 97. Cause then they, I don't think they've been back. No, they haven't. They, they made, haven't made the playoffs made, since 2011. Yeah, like they went to no they reason. went to the the conference final in like 2006. They lost to Ottawa, but that's what it was. Yeah, because they they were they were kind of a miracle team. But with the parity in this league and how quick you can turn your team around, there's no excuse for not making the playoffs for ten straight years. None. No, no, they're there's they're no breaking excuse. a record this season for longest playoff drought in the yeah. league history. Like it's an all time amount of just patheticness. And and they've had they've had top picks. I mean, I do think Ross Mustelian, when whatever team he goes to after Buffalo, he's going to be a really good player. They um, they ruined him so badly. Yeah, it, and it actually hurts to watch. Yeah, because he he's going to be good. I'm worried about Owen Powers. Like I think he's going to be good, but 
He needs development. He's not going to get that with the Buffalo Sabres. Like, I just feel bad for Sabres fans because they are a very passionate fan base, and it just seems like they're they can't get out of their own fucking way. So, just trade Jack Eichel, get all the pieces you can, and pray to God that you've got something that you can develop these kids. Yeah, I mean, they started hot. They're they've seemed okay since their hot start, so they might not be the worst team in the league, which is honestly a win for them. Coyotes. Still have not won a game, by the way. Still have not won a game. I don't with, see a win on yeah. their schedule either, man. I don't see a they, win on their schedule. Man, it's it's bad. I, I forget the name of their their backup goalie. He has been so good, and they have it, given him jack shit in front of him. It's been really sad. So let's see. Coyotes are I'm not trying to see uh, a trying to see a win on their schedule. They play Chicago next Friday, maybe. Oh my, that ha- that might be must watch. Oh, I'm gonna bet on it without yeah. a doubt. I'm going to gamble on it because it's going to be such a bad game. Uh, but, yeah, I don't see a win on – I mean, they go – they got Anaheim at home, which Anaheim, surprisingly, has been good. Ryan yeah, Getzoff looks bad. good. Seattle at in, – in, in Arizona, they have Seattle, which I think Seattle's going to beat the shit out of them. Minnesota will beat the shit out of them. Talked about the Chicago game. Nashville will beat the shit out of them. St. Louis will beat the shit out of them. Columbus will beat the shit out of them. Detroit, I don't know. But, yeah, man, I don't see very many wins. They may win under – I'm going to say they probably win, if they're lucky, 15 games this year. They are that that's, bad. That's what, that's what I was thinking. 15, I think, is realistic because they, they, they have to win eventually. They're, they're going to have to get lucky and win. Event. It's impossible to not win at some point in this league. And the, the sad part is this isn't even the first time they've done this. They did this a couple years ago. They lost 11 straight games or something close to that. Honestly, I was surprised they lost to the Flyers on uh, Tuesday because that's exactly who they ended their streak against last time in Philadelphia. Interesting. So, so I, was expe- I was expecting that same thing, but – that team is just a joke. And you know, the, the, I think the sad part about this conversation is everything that we have brought up over the last couple minutes can be tied back into everything that's happened over the NHL over the last week or so. We talk about the Coyotes. They can be tied back to the Blackhawks in this scandal. We talked about the Olympic team and the fact that Stan Bowman ran that team and he's going to be replaced by Bill Guerin, who is also being investigated for covering up a sexual assault right now. Uh, I I have to talk about this just even for a little bit before we wrap up because the league is just in a dark place right now. And there's just no ignoring it because this is some of the worst I have ever seen. This is one of the darkest places I have ever seen this league. And the the Gary Bettman and Bill Daly press conference from a couple days ago might be the worst media availability I have ever seen in professional sports. whoa these guys need to be fired tomorrow if not yesterday how out of touch these two cowards are with not just the fan base but with everybody is is shocking the way they address the situation they're more they're more concerned about not getting sued than they are about actually rectifying the situation they're more concerned with teams illegally working out prospects and circumventing the cap. They said they essentially said as much in the interview. They find the devils significantly more first circumventing the salary cap with Ilya Kovalchuk a couple years ago. And they heavily punished the Coyotes for illegally working out prospects, which 
I was that even that serious? And you have a team covering up a sexual assault and you brought this up last time, $2 million. That's it. That that's abhorrent. And one of the more disgusting parts to me was them icing out Rick Westhead for so long in that thing. That was a, a, I believe a 55 minute press conference with like the first 10 minutes or so being Daly and Bettman just talking the last 45 minutes. Or so were questions. Rick Westhead was the third to last guy to ask a question. Rick Westhead, for those who are not aware, has been the guy that has been all over this sexual assault cover-up with the Blackhawks from day one. He, he should win a Pulitzer Prize for the, the work he's done on this, this cover-up. He has been nothing short of outstanding. And you're telling me they forgot about him until the third last question and Pierre Lebrun had to be like, uh, hey, you haven't asked Rick, you haven't allowed Rick Westhead to ask a question here. Uh, can you can you do that, please? The fact that Pierre Lebrun had to actually say something because it was so apparent that they were icing him out. He was raising his hand every single time and they were ignoring him because they didn't want to hear from him. And the que- and the answers that Gary Bettman gave Westhead, especially the second time of like trying to accuse him of being like like a gotcha reporter. It was it was terrible. Gary Bettman and Bill Daly. They're they serve no purpose to this league anymore. They're out of touch with fans. They've been out of touch for a long, long time. Bill Daly should have been fired a long time ago after the, the emails that came out with him and trying to, to influence games with officiating because he didn't like certain players and wanted to give advantages to his son. Horrible. And Gary Bettman has just always been a just a real slimy piece of shit. And this, this, this was horrible. This press conference was horrible. And this, is, this story is going nowhere. So I just wanted to, to talk about that for a little bit before we wrapped up. Because well, Here's one thing, too. The $2 million fine for a team that's worth $1.1 uh, $1 billion. Yeah, and also, and also the fact that the Blackhawks told the NHL in December, hey, there's a lawsuit coming, but there's no merit to it. We'll take care of it. Two million. They lied to you. They lied to you. They said there was no merit to this. And it turns out that it is one of the biggest PR disasters this league has ever seen. Two million dollars. You're fucking crazy. This whole thing is insulting. And there's just no reason for Gary Bettman to be the commissioner of this league anymore. We need someone new at the top that is just not a slime ball. Well, you need to have someone who the players respect. And I, I the NBA, um, I hate how much their players drive the league, but they've done a really good job. And I think Adam Silver, the commissioner, deserves a lot of credit for being a player's first commer- commissioner. And Gary Bettman's part of that old regime that was David Stern of the NBA, Paul Tagliabue of the NFL, and Bud Selig of the MLB. They were the old regime. And now we need to get that new kind of mentality in. You need to get the ones who actually believe that there's their players are being affected by post-traumatic concussion syndrome and like oh, all these I concussions even... are causing you didn't even touch base on that. We need a commissioner who believes in that stuff and who's going to take care of these players when they get out. And there are good things that they've done recently, like the players assistance program. We've seen Carrie Price use it. We saw Jonathan Duran use it. Um that's a positive. I mean, you need to take more steps like that instead of just 
living in fucking 1985 because that's not what the NHL is anymore. So the good news is I did hear there were rumblings about firing Gary Bettman and that some owners were. I'll believe when I see it too, but there are rumblings. I feel like that's the first time we've heard that in a long time. So fingers crossed, man. But the NHL is just in a really sad place right now, and it sucks because this is what I feel like. This is the first time in a long time that I feel like hockey was having some positive momentum in the four major categories of sports, and now it's just automatically back to bad press headlines. It's not being in the news for good reasons. It's being in the news for bad reasons. Yeah, it had momentum. And it showed why it is never going to pass into even the third spot in the United States because it it is a poorly run league that cannot possibly get out of its own way and is run by dinosaurs that frankly don't give a fuck. And they're a bunch of cowards and they're more concerned with protecting their own than just keeping up with the moral integrity of the world. Like it's, it's sad. It, it genuinely depresses me to see all of this happen and the amount of bending over backwards that executives around this league have done to try to, to make this go away because they tried to, they really did try to make this go away before the report came out the, uh, like last week or last two weeks or so. It's, it's horrible. And it's bad. This, this is it's a story bad. that's going to dominate the entire season and I hope there is a lot more reckoning to come because this league is overdue for it. So I just, I just wanted to to touch base on that a little bit before we wrapped up. Cause we just can't ignore it. This, like, this is the biggest, one of the biggest hockey stories of maybe this century so far. Sadly, unfortunately it is. Yeah. Well, and it's not like this, it happened to uh, Theo Fleury back in the nineties too. Like, yeah, it's not this like is, this is like a new thing. It's not a first time thing. This happens. And it's yeah. probably honestly, I'm going to say something really sad. It's probably happened a lot more times than we think since Kyle Beach as well. Yeah, And there's a, there's a possibility that we could see more players coming forward. And the thing is, there's another active lawsuit going on against the Pittsburgh Penguins right now, like I brought up with Bill Guerin earlier, because they tried to cover up one of their coaches sexually assaulting another coach's wife like come come on guys like this it's so abhorrent i don't even have the words so uh we we can leave it at that for right now we'll talk about it more in the next episode and over the coming weeks but it's it's just something we have to touch on because this is not going anywhere anytime soon so um christian if you got nothing else to add i think we're pretty much good here yeah no Hopefully the Avs bounce back on Saturday and we'll have a, a another positive because I, I loved I loved the positive episode we got to have Sunday. So I'm hoping we get to go back to that uh, this upcoming Sunday. Yeah, me too. I, there's nothing I love more than those positive episodes. If anything, I, I kind of liked doing the the right after the game thing that we're doing for this one. I don't know. I don't have to take as many notes as I normally do and re- refresh myself on what happened. I can just jump in with my immediate emotions and reactions because i have a short attention span i forget um same i'm a total millennial that way (laughs) yeah so uh we'll be back on monday with another reaction to another columbus game and hopefully one with two points instead of one and hopefully a much healthier lineup so that is going to do it for this edition of the teledabs it is podcast thank you so much once again 
for tuning in, whether it's your first episode or you've listened from day one, we appreciate you all immensely. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Bole, spelled B-O-L-L-E. You can follow the show, which I highly recommend you do at Teledabs. It is. We have an active giveaway going for the November 11th game against the Vancouver Canucks. We are giving away free tickets, 100% on us, two free tickets, 100% on us. All you have to do is retweet the post, it is pinned on our account, and follow the account, and we will pick a winner on Saturday. So I recommend you get on that as soon as possible because it's not going to last forever. And we'll also be doing more giveaways throughout the season and other fun stuff as the season goes on. But for now, that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you so much once again for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. Enjoy the rest of your week. Mm-hmm.